Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Friday edition of Hot Mike with Udney Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us, speeding through your workday, headed into the weekend. You can join us on multiple platforms on social, streaming live on YouTube, and much more. Outkick.com is also a great place to stop. And right here, this great radio partner, we say hello to you. Cheers to the weekend. We've got uh, Bernard Pollard coming up at about 20 minutes, former NFL safety. Always opinionated, always brings it. I uh, look forward to catching up with the, uh, the former vet. Playing on some great defenses and played for some great coordinators uh, throughout his career. Not a fan of quarterbacks. Not a fan of quarterbacks. He was paid to not be a fan of quarterbacks no for doubt. many years. And quarterbacks, not a fan of him either. Chad, uh, the football fans will be able to watch every quarterback if they so choose. If they're in the red zone, the game is close. Because NFL Plus... You'll need the app for this, but NFL Plus, through their app, is offering a flat $15 rate, no strings attached, for the monthly subscription to NFL Red Zone. You don't need a cable subscription like DirecTV. You don't have to have the dish on your, on your roof. You don't have to have YouTube TV as a part of this either. NFL Network and NFL Red Zone offered to you through NFL Plus. And this coincides with, by the way, this, I'm all for this. This coincides with the NFL, through their NFL media, wanting a partner. They want to have an investor come in and be the jet fuel for NFL Plus and their app. So how do you drive up subscriptions? How do you get more downloads? How do you say, hey, we're reaching a different audience that you can now be a part of? It's through their app and NFL Plus, and they now have the rights to do this unlike what they've had in the past with their other agreements with DirecTV and, uh, and, and other outlets that they've had currently. That, I love it, though. I, I love Red Zone. Uh, even if I'm at a game in a press box, I'll have Red Zone on to keep up with what's going on across the league. Surprised that they haven't already partnered with Amazon and Prime Video on this to be that jet fuel for the NFL Plus app, that it could be a part of the functionality of Prime Video, and you just pay a $15 extra subscription to them to the, that goes to the NFL to carry it. But I, I love this. I have not, and when I saw the news, I almost went to my smart TV to look for the NFL Plus app. I assume it's easy to find and just to put right there on your television, on your smart TV, and go in and give them your credit card information and pay the $15 for four or five months of, of Red Zone. I I love it. I'm going to do it. It's easy enough. It's not overly expensive. I think it's a great move for fan appreciation by the NFL. So I don't, I don't see much of a downside yep. to this for people that love Red Zone, which, quite frankly, is pretty much everyone I know. I don't know many people that have an issue with Red Zone that don't like it. I, I, I've loved it for a while. So this is great. Yeah, and you can get this straight through the app on your phone. You can also, you know, you'll get the condensed games you get the game replays like you would through the nfl network uh, nfl.com uh, 
play where you could subscribe and get the playback after the games have aired. You still get all of that with the NFL Plus premium access. I, I love it. But there is a, there's a reason why they're doing it, and they're about to... Like, Chad, what was the, the story? We, we saw where uh, Disney is looking to sell a portion of the percentage ownership to an investor. And yeah, the, uh, NFL was mentioned as part of that. So Bob Iger said recently, he's talked about ESPN and linear TV, so ESPN, ABC, not being a big part of the future of what they're going to be doing with at Disney. It's going to be more parks and streaming is going to be their focus. And yesterday at their earnings meeting stated that it's not to just get liquidity out of it and to make money. They're looking more for a strategic investor that can help grow their streaming properties with ESPN, which immediately the reports of Major League Baseball, NBA made a lot of sense because they yep. want a league to partner with them where they distribute that, that league's games on streaming and it can help grow everything. I think baseball makes the most sense because the amount of games and inventory. If ESPN, if Major League Baseball invested into ESPN and had that promotional arm of ESPN while also all distributing streaming. all of their games yeah. through ESPN Plus, well, that's a pretty big, pretty big win for the streaming department at Disney, which is now going to be their focus. Chad, the play-by-play voice of the Baltimore Orioles in the booth for their television broadcast returns tonight. We mentioned earlier in the week Kevin Brown was expected to return Friday night in Seattle, and in fact, he will. He'll be back on the broadcast for the O's. And he's going to read a statement when the broadcast begins, but he's already released one through his social media account. And as we read through this, you were asking the question, Chad, um, hey, blink if you're okay, uh, as you read this into a camera. Um, O's fans, I'm a storyteller. Never want to be a part of the story. The most compelling story in baseball right now is the story of the league leading Baltimore Orioles, the best, most exciting young team in the American League. Unfortunately, recent media reports have mischaracterized my relationship with my adopted hometown Orioles. The fact that I have a wonderful relationship with the organization and our ownership and front office has fully supported me since 2019 when I first came aboard. I ask that everyone disregard the distracting noise of the past few days. I've worked closely with the O's and their senior vice president for the past four years, John Angelos, and I have solid dialogue based on mutual respect. We're all good here in Birdland. I am proud to be an Oreo and call Baltimore home. There's no place in baseball. I'd rather be now and for the long haul, go O's. Nowhere in that, whatever that was, that hostage tape that was put on X from Kevin Brown, uh, did we see any clarification on whether or not he was suspended? Because he was. He was taken off air for the reasons the media reported. Now, you can say the media reports or mischaracterization of my relationship with them, whatever. Maybe, you know, some columns, opinions about it were overblown and you know different things to be different with that. But he did not refute the fact that he was pulled off air for saying something, and he even talked about an ongoing dialogue with John Angelos, the owner of the Orioles. So, yeah, so they're not going to mention... This changes nothing other than... Kevin Brown liking his job well, and his boss the, saying, hey, put something out that everything's I, cool. So I'm, I'm curious how they go about this now because part of the, the big part of the story is how bad, and I would know as an Orioles fan, how bad they have absolutely sucked to what they're doing now. They've traded away 
great talent like Manny Machado and others. In return, they're getting prospects that are now flourishing in their system on the major league level to have them where they are. They've, they've used their draft picks well with Rushman and others that are a part of this group, and they're crushing it. So how do you tell that story and not piss off John Angelos and ownership because it was, you know, it makes them look cheap? How do, how do, you, how do you give that storyline? And I mean, you better believe whenever they hit the, the playoffs, Chad, and they start on the, the national broadcasts, every broadcaster is going to be pointing out the streaks that they, they went through losing and what they're doing now against great competition. Yeah, well, John Angelos can't control those national right. broadcasts, so he can control, and he can be but, thin-skinned and petty with his own guy and take offense to anything that, that they want to put out there. It's also what O's fans know. Like he also didn't even say anything about all the guys they traded away. No, he just They just had a graphic the of their record against the Rays in recent years. Yeah. No mention of, and uh, because ownership was selling low with these guys and they couldn't pay them and would not pay them, this is why they continue to lose. He just put up a graphic stating how great they've been this year and better against the Rays as opposed to previous yeah. years. Well, he didn't put the graphic up. He just read from it. Yeah. Well, the production crew. I'm That's saying right. they were reading from – this was a pre-planned – Did they suspend the production scripted, crew? Scripted well, – That's another story. I guess not. And if it, so, they're not bizarre. talking about it. It's bizarre. And if there's more to it, then – I mean, he's not saying it there, but it doesn't feel like there is – Based on awful announcing, I don't and run I, off of sports, and everyone else that's pointed to this. This statement is confirmation. There's not more to it. Yeah, because all he would have well, to say was, "My wife was sick. I was in the hospital. This was always planned. I go to radio. I have it in my contract. I do five radio games a year. This was the time I was going to do it." There's no truth to anything about a suspension. He could have said all of that. He said none of that. And he tried. The, the O's tried to keep it quiet because this happened at the end of July, and it didn't. The story didn't pop until earlier this week in August as he was all, already off the broadcast for a few games here. Again, it, this changes nothing other than Kevin Brown. It tells me Kevin Brown likes his job and is doing what ownership told him to do, to say everything's fine. Well, it's, it's, it reminds me of like, uh, it, based on the level of competition that you're calling as a play-by-play -play announcer or a, an analyst, if you're calling a high school football game you're not going to crush the officials. Yeah, you don't go overly as, critical. Right. As much, or, or, you know, a play call or whatever it might be. You can certainly question it, but you don't crush people over it. When you get to the major league level, it's totally different. And so are the broadcasts from Kevin Brown now just going to be like at the Little League World Series level where everything's glorious and all oh, little Timmy tried hard on that strikeout. He never saw that curveball coming. But, man, he's... He's certainly aware of the next time he comes to bat. Don't you worry, O's fans. I, I, just, I mean, what the hell? I marvel at the lack of toughness of people in positions of power that we see so often. The, the owners of teams and sometimes people who run leagues, the, the American assumption would be these people have worked so hard and their hands are so calloused and their mind is so callous from that work and they deflect all criticism and they live to conquer you and to conquer their own whatever insecurities are. And that's what they do. And that's how you reach this point of being this successful. And how that's juxtaposed with someone like John Angelos, who suspended his play-by-play -play guy because he dared to mention a record against the Tampa Bay Rays in previous seasons. Chad, and how weak-minded that is, that absolutely blows my mind. We need to send a box of shirts to 
uh, Baltimore. DBAP. We need. We need. Uh, I think DBAP, DBAP should be the mantra of the O's moving forward. And hey, they have DBAPed all season. That's why they've been one of the greatest stories out there. <laughs> uh, just uh, walking on eggshells now. You're now having to think about how to word a success story. It's not a failure. They're now having to come up with different ways to phrase the success of the Baltimore Orioles now. Well, he starts it by saying that. You know, I, I'm a storyteller. I don't want to be a part of the story. The story is the Baltimore Orioles. It's what we said on the show. Yeah. Because they have been the story, and now with a self-inflicted wound, you've made it uh, not so much a story. So that's not good. By the way, congratulations to Media Pennsylvania going to the Little League World Series. My cousin's Washington, D.C. team. Uh, loses on a two-run walk-off home run in the bottom of extra innings, two to nothing in a scoreless game before that. That sucks. Pretty heartbreaking for the uh, the kids on the other side of that one. But a lot of joy and, and jubilation uh, from, uh, from Pennsylvania. Part of it, right? 85 pitch count limit, but, I mean, they were on to the second pitcher after that by the time this happened. So good pitching all the way around. Proud of my cousin, though, who was uh, a big part of that team. Yeah, Fun back run. To back. And that was the, the furthest D.C.'s ever advanced. First time they've ever made a regional final uh, was in this game today. So congratulations to them. Chad, uh, you mentioned the, uh, having to walk on eggshells and being a part of the story, and that's not what uh, the O's announcer wanted here uh, with Kevin Brown. Uh, Mickelson's a part of the story of, of gambling yet again. And we've heard so many different stories and rumors and uh, – what he's admitted as well. And he's still a huge fan of betting while playing on the golf course, friendly wagers, as he would call it. Uh, but he's denying what we heard from Billy Walters through an excerpt of his book that's coming out. Uh, one of the world-renowned gamblers, period, is saying that Phil would call him up trying to place big money bets on, for instance, the Ryder Cup. And Phil released this statement on social. I never bet on the Ryder Cup. While it's well known that I always enjoy a friendly wager on the course, I would never undermine the integrity of the game. I've also been very open about my gambling addiction. I've previously conveyed my remorse, took responsibility, I've gotten help, and have been fully committed to therapy that has positively impacted me, and I feel good about where I am now. Now, I mentioned earlier that the, the one aspect that he's not, he, he's not denying is that while he's saying he never bet on the Ryder Cup, Billy Walters said that he, Phil called him up in 2012 for the Ryder Cup that Phil was participating in trying to make a $400,000 wager on the, on the U.S. And trying to make a wager is different than betting on the Ryder Cup because Billy Walters says that he told Phil, absolutely not, I'm not going to be in the middle of this as you become the next Pete Rose instead of living up to where you are status-wise currently, which is the current... Arnold Palmer of the game and he said he he expected that Phil hung up the phone and called someone else to make that wager so while he may not have bet on the Ryder Cup I mean he, he didn't say that he tried to. I, I, I didn't call Billy Walters and he's a liar trying to make a $400,000 wager Billy Walters not being a good friend right now to Phil Mickelson with this tell-all book and airing all of his dirty laundry, much most of which Phil Mickelson's already told anyways. But he was being a good friend back in 2012 when he said, you don't want to do this, when he was trying to bet place a $400,000 bet on his own Ryder Cup team. So that was an instance where he was being a good friend to Phil Mickelson and saying, yeah, this would be a mistake 
to be a part of this. So um, I, I'm with you. That that's the interesting omission from that. Yeah, is that he didn't say I didn't try to bet on it, just that he didn't. And we view it different now, right? Like it's it's just viewed differently of uh, what Phil either tried to do or did. Like it's a story because of the outrageous numbers. I think losing a hundred million, uh, betting uh, wagering over a billion, according to what Walters is saying. Uh, Colin Morikawa is pledging $1,000 per birdie in Maui recovery. This is awesome. He pledged $1,000 per birdie that he makes in the FedEx Cup playoffs to aid recovery on Maui, where wildfires, I mean, it, it, the story it's, there it's is awful. terrible. Yeah, recovery missions are continuing. So my guess is that other players will jump on board with this too. That would be a great effort. Tying props in, to Colin Morikawa. Yeah, props to him. And tying this into the last story, I bet on Colin Morikawa this weekend before the tournament even started. And last check, at least after the first round, he was two strokes off the lead. Coming up. Good for me. Bernard Pollard joins us. We talk all things NFL and the landscape of where players are versus the money that's being raked in from the league. That's next on Hot Mike. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, uh, Bernard Pollard, one of my favorite players to, uh, to go chat with or interview in the locker room. Um, you know, we were just talking about the Orioles and how the ownership can't take criticism from, it wasn't even criticism, just facts. Anything. Can't take anything. anything from uh, the broadcaster. Meanwhile, Pollard's at his locker, like 2013, I believe, somewhere around there saying, yeah, we're piss poor, terrible, you know, and just taking ownership of it. And by the way, they were. The Titans were, were awful. Got to uh, love that honesty, Hunt. Yeah, and I, I, honestly here, I, I haven't been in touch with uh, Bernard and, and BP in a while, and I had the number, and I wasn't sure who I was texting. Turns out, good news, Bernard Pollard is on the other end of the phone. Uh, great to see you, man. Hope things are well. All is well, man. How you doing, brother? Fantastic. Uh, how much preseason are you watching? I know you, for whatever reason, are watching that Texans game last night. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, dude. Um, no, I'm. I'm actually. Uh, I'm trying to get it. Get back into the games, and and uh, um, it's been it's been a lot of fun just to be able to just get back in touch with ball. Um, the rule changes and things like that, man. It's that that's just frustrating for me. But at the same time, uh, four kids and all four of them either playing club sports, uh, travel, you know, all this other thing, all the things, man. So we're Uber drivers that don't get paid, and and I'm I'm trying to keep <laughs> my way back into football. I totally know the feeling. Uh, that that's a full <laughs> plate for you for sure. I wanted to ask you this because you were a guy who would get after the quarterback and get after right. the offense at, at all costs. And I'm watching the quarterback series with Patrick Mahomes and yep. he says something in there and they go through this whole montage about how his philosophy with defenders is that he's overly nice to them, that he always compliments them. He helps them up at times. He's patting them on the helmet. He's saying good rush way to do this. And he thinks yeah. psychologically that they let up on him and don't finish certain plays where otherwise, if he was being a punk the whole game, they would right. drive him into the ground risking his availability for the team. Do you buy that? That if you're really nice to the defense, that maybe they won't drive you into the ground or take that little extra shot on the sideline? Now, I, I'll tell you this. I, now, I, I don't buy 
buy it right now um, simply because today's rules keep you from freaking scratching a quarterback. So I, I just I don't buy what he's saying, but I, I will say, um, you know, Andrew Luck did that a lot. He was just a nice dude. And and, and I mean, he would you he would you would hit him hard and he'd be like, man, that was a great hit, bro. Congratulations, bro. Like, how, like, what have you been doing? I remember I hit him one time. He was like, bro you must power clean a lot. I'm like, bro, what? Like, <laughs> so it, it's just like, it's one of those things where you just kind of lose yourself and like, you, you got to get back to, wait a minute, I'm in the game. I got to get after this dude. But in today's football, man, it, it's just, everything's changed so much. And you guys have seen it over the years as, you know, you go in to get these guys, defenders are letting up, you know, because they don't want to come down on them. They don't want to do too much. Uh, but, you know, those quarterback hits, those quarterback hurries, those things matter. And uh, in today's football, you know, they still matter. But at the same time, everybody's cautious of getting a penalty to extend the drive or or to, to potentially, you know, be, de you know, detrimental to your team, which, you know, a, a, penalty, a penalty can. Um, and, and it's just I can't stand it at all. Bernard Pollard, our guest, NFL safety, Super Bowl champ, and uh, yeah. four franchises, Chiefs, Texans, Ravens, and Titans. Uh, he's joining us here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Would you rather face the quarterbacks of today's era or your era? And I'm not trying to date you here. It hasn't been that long. But you <laughs> face some Hall of Famers. How was he playing Joe very, Namath? No, very, yeah, very <laughs> solid, very <laughs> solid QBs that aren't Hall of Fame worthy but are in the – second tier how would you compare today's quarterbacks and the young guys right now just in particular the afc i would love to play uh, against these guys um you know i i i think i think my era quarterbacks were it, it was football was just better right like i think what makes it so hard for a lot of former players and even fans uh to watch the game of football right now is because you, you know i think it makes it hard because can you respect the stats right because of the rule changes do i respect it i mean because at the end of the day when a game is started it, it's literally we're going to go out here offensively and we're going to play catch and and when i you know what do i mean when i say that like you can't do certain things anymore you, you know you can't touch guys going across the line you can't check them coming across the middle you can't you know if you if you hit them too hard or you know whatever it's just those things have they've taken the intensity they've, they've they've taken that leverage from the defense and that's one thing that we had as defensive players was leverage was we control this middle and now all of a sudden that middle is wide open so today's quarterbacks they're good like i mean they're able to put balls in in, in certain places and, and they can get certain coverages because they know good and well you got to have four and five dbs sometimes on a football field to run with you know the, the, the speed and the matchup body wise uh offensively so you know the ball placement and everything else it's there but i i, I think the guys the, the, the Peyton Mannings, obviously Tom Tom just retired, uh, Philip Rivers, um, you know, Roethlisberger, those dudes were some dudes. They were dudes. And, uh, you know, these cats that's coming in, I, I think it's really five, four, five, maybe six guys that I can look at and be like, yo, them cats can go, and I would love to have played against them. So, yeah, I, I respect, I respect you know, today's quarterbacks, and I respect, you know, the quarterbacks when I played, uh, but I think I would rather play those guys because you can actually hit them. What I, I did get fined for my pinky touching Brett Favre's face mask, and I was pissed off about that one, but whatever. <laughs> what was the fine? Uh, it was actually $15,000. Uh, it might have been twenty, twenty thousand dollars. I blitzed and I came in and I went to go swing the swat, the swat after the ball on his uh, follow through, and my pinky touched his face mask, and I had a FedEx at my locker the oh. next day. And I didn't even know how. I'm like, dude, FedEx can run that fast? Like, how did they get that to me that quick? 
So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, if you if you would have hit the ball, you've been drug tested the next day. Instead, you got a FedEx for a fine. <laughs> well, hey, well, I got drug tested every week anyway because <laughs> I hit so hard. So that, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Former NFL safety and Super Bowl champ Bernard Pollard, our guest on Hot Mike. Speaking of intensity, Eric Bieniemy, yeah. uh, an intense coach. Were you surprised when Ron Rivera came out at a press conference and said, "Yeah, he's so intense that players are coming up to me and complaining." about his intensity, seemingly kind of rolling his guy he just hired as offensive coordinator under the bus publicly to media members. You know what? I'm not surprised at that at all. Um, I, I think this is a situation where Ron Rivera, Coach Ron Rivera, didn't have any say-so in hiring him. I, I think the execs brought him in. The execs had they had to make a change. And, and and you know, Coach Bienemy, he does not leave Kansas City if, if he doesn't go to Washington with – with and, and gain all the power uh, as far as offensively, and so this is this is a move with, off of frustration, I believe, from Coach Rivera because you just don't say that. Like you honestly, you just as a coach, you don't say my guys are or you know my guys are coming to me and they're complaining about whatever. Because yeah, we can kind of flip it, we can be whatever, but at the same time, you're like, wait a minute, like are you saying like because at the end of the day, like you go behind you know Coach Bieniemy's back and and you air something out publicly, and then now he's got to come and play cleanup about what he's been saying or what he's been doing. And I just don't like how that happened. But at the, at the end of the day, it's a business and the execs brought him in because they need a change. Um, you know, Coach Rivera is a defensive-minded coach. You know, they have to bring somebody, they had to bring somebody in there that's going to light a fire up under these players because they have too much talent. I think we all can agree when you look at offensively for at the Washington Commanders, they have offensive wise as far as the receiver position you got two dogs at receiver you got a, a young quarterback that, that I think coach BNME can get going and if he doesn't you know you got a backup and 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 uh uh, uh Brissett, uh that can come in and, and step into play you got running backs and you got an offensive line you got tight ends that can go so they've got to get this offense going let coach Ron Rivera concentrate on that defense be an overseer as far as for the team but at the same time we had to give coach BNME power in order to get him here because it's a, it's essentially a lateral move for coach uh BNME if he goes to uh, Washington from from Kansas City. And and I don't think, you know, if it's a lateral move, he makes that move. Bernard, you, you know as well as I do, though. Like, you came into the league, there were two days. You know, mm -hmm. it was tough. Yeah. I, in, in today's league, whenever you uh, retired, like, you were you retired from an era where uh, coaches could barely do anything. I, I don't know how coaches are tough in the NFL nowadays compared to what it could be. And I'm thinking about these complaints, and I'm going – what are they really complaining about? If they're complaining, go to the NFLPA and file something with the league because otherwise uh, it sounds like they're within the rules and the boundaries. I agree 100%. Um, you know, what are what are you complaining about? But but at the end of the day, this is, this is something that, you know, it, this is a, a, a culture shock uh, for these guys. They've been allowed to do certain things. You know, you had an officer coordinator in there uh, that wasn't capable of getting anything done. You had Coach Ron Rivera who – you know, he was going through certain things, so I don't know how present he was, and, and I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, yeah. but I'm just being honest. Plus ownership. Um, so, yeah. Exactly. Plus ownership. That was that was some crap right there. So, you know, you you just had you had guys coming and going as they please, and when you have a guy that that comes in, and I'm not I'm not saying because I've talked to players, I've talked to people in the organization with the Chiefs that, you know, Coach Bienemy, he he probably can. Uh, he's got into some, some disagreements and almost, you know, uh, some fights with players and, and it's just one of those things. He is just a hard nosed guy. He's a guy who, who demands, you know, greatness from you, right? Like he's played the game. He understands the game and he's been sitting under coach Reed for a long time. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of people, people, I just had a coach tell me, 
he was afraid of me because of the way I played. And I'm looking like, what? Okay, wait, why? Like, but you know, but this is just what happens, you know. But I, I think when it's all said and done, you know, these guys have got to toughen up. You are making a lot of money. It's a privilege to play this game. It's a privilege. You should go out there and put it on the line for the city, for the fans. More importantly, for yourself, and, and I mean, if, if you're whining about and crying about and, and and call yourself tattling on a coach to another coach because he was hard on you and, and wanted greatness from you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Keep your check back and leave. Bernard Hazing has been in the news lately because of Pat Fitzgerald and the, and the Northwestern situation. Yeah. Was your reaction to that story, oh, wow, look at what was going on at Northwestern, or was it, oh, wow, they just fired the football coach for what was going on at Northwestern. You know what? Uh, they fired the football coach for what was going on at Northwestern. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, as a head coach of, of a, of a organization or of a university, um, you are even high school as the head coach, you are essentially to blame for that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, and, and, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I, I just listened to a high school coach yell at his players and ask them, what's our identity? And I'm looking like, wait a minute, what, what's your identity? These are 14 and 17 year old boys. You have to set the identity. For him, as the head coach of Northwestern, he was to set the tone and what, what was going to be allowed and what wasn't going to be allowed. They knew that mess. I am not a believer in hazing at all. I have never hazed anybody. I don't believe it. I was not playing a game when I went to college and as and and and, and even in high school and coming into the league as as a, a rookie. If you put your hands on me, I'm gonna beat the piss out of you. You can be a grown man. You can say whatever you want to say. You can do whatever you want to do. We didn't play those games. And this mess is getting out. This hazing bullcrap is getting out of hand because people are dying. People have been sexual sex, sexually assaulted, uh, being hazed. This is not funny. And, and I mean, we can do some things like the haircuts and other stuff like that. Like, if you want to do that, by all means, do that. I think most people will say, that's cool. That comes with it. You got to pay your dues. Carrying pads, you got to pay your dues. Uh, taking the team out, you know, the, the position group out to dinner. Or, I mean, in the pros, you know, you can't do it. You can, Well, you can do it in college now. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> NIL's in there now. They can, they can afford you, dinner. You're right about that one. So, you know, but, but, but taking, doing certain things, you know, but when you start to cross the line and obviously in this situation, he was fired. So somebody or some bodies, a lot of people crossed the line and it's just you, you, he had to be the example. We had to get rid of him. Not we, but they had to get rid of him. Bernard Pollard with us. Bernard, just one minute left here, uh, yes, but sir. just stayed in college. You once famously told Joe Tiller at Purdue, Hey, give me my papers for the transfer <laughs> portal. Where would you have gone if you're in college now and you could enter the portal immediately and go anywhere? I probably would have transferred to Michigan. Um, I, I probably would have transferred to Michigan. Um, you know, they wanted to move me to linebacker. Uh, it'd have been Michigan or Penn State. Uh, they wanted okay. to move me to linebacker. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if I was serious. I was just hot. You know, it, it was a steak and bean scrimmage, and I ain't feel like eating <laughs> beans that night. You know what I mean? Like we had one, and and Coach Tiller, being an offensive minded coach, he wanted to give his offense another chance to get a uh, get a first down. And I'm looking like, bro, I slapped the running back. He didn't even cross the line of scrimmage. But nevertheless, like you know that you, it's funny you bring it up because they was just talking about it this past weekend in Detroit. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah, Tiller didn't grant the request, apparently. Uh, the rest, he didn't is, grant the rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> Next year, he's a uh, rookie with Kansas City. Bernard Pollard has been our guest. Uh, Crush Boy 31 is where you can follow him on social and uh, all of the, the great uh, tweets as well. Bernard, thank you for the catch-up, man. Uh, always yeah. great, and uh, hopefully we can do this again sooner rather than later. 
Oh, man. Thank you guys for having me. Man. Just hit me up. I'm, hey, I'm on. All right. Good. We Thanks, Bernard. The, the number works. All right, thank you. The number works. Bernard Pollard there. Great backdrop and everything. Beautiful backdrop. Definitely. One of the things we always notice uh, in this profession, your audio and your backdrop. Was audio was perfect. Backdrop was perfect. I had no idea what direction he was going to go with the, the hazing stuff because Bernard, well, you know, known as a tough guy for sure during yeah. his playing days. Well, that's my um, biggest surprise is there's yeah, no Northwestern it's the, it's players the that stuff. stood up to it and said, hey, no, I'm not doing that. We're going to well, fight. It's, but it's amazing the swing of, man, that was disgusting what they were doing. To other people we'd asked, or John McClain's telling stories that were oh, horrific some. for the NFL back in the 70s compared to the Northwestern stuff and act like, oh, this has been going on forever. So a lot of different opinions out there about it, which makes for a good discussion Yeah, because the opinions are so different on that Pat but Fitzgerald story. In that era that McClain's talking about, though, if you didn't want to do it, uh, we'll we'll find a circle and you can battle it out in the middle of the locker room. Yeah. That never happened at Northwestern, which is, again, just bizarre. Further headlines to come, plus we discuss more college football. Hope everyone is looking forward to a great weekend. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, one of the top conversations we had this week was with Ryan Leaf, who gave great perspective on his reaction to Untold Johnny Football, the docuseries on Netflix, and how there's much more meat on the bone than what was put out there and how they wrap things up uh, without really saying very much about how Johnny's doing or if he's trying to change his ways and uh, further detail on where his mind is now, the mental health aspect of admitting that he plotted ways to commit suicide and give himself reasons as to why he should do it. And I think the more and more I read the stories that have been picked up by other outlets and quoting Ryan Leaf in that, um, I think it gives perspective in a, in a vast majority of the readers and viewers and those just reacting like we have in real time, I viewed the show one way and now I'm thinking through the lens of what Leaf is saying. It, it should, it could easily be, it goes without saying that could easily be a two, three, four episode series instead of just one episode that had to be crunched together and tied up in a bow last minute with the biggest headline being promoted really at the back end of the, of the piece. Well, when I saw the length of it, when I started the documentary, I thought, man, this is short. And it flew by because there's so much information, so many things happening so quick that it probably did lend itself more to a docu-series. But hearing from Ryan Leaf did change my mind a bit on on the way, not the way necessarily I felt about it. I was entertained by it, but it made me think about it with, with different layers. Here's Ryan Leaf, a portion of this, which you can find and go back on the YouTube channel, just search out Outkick. Ryan Leaf from earlier in the week with us. I put this on Netflix. You have done everybody such a disservice. Once again, people have taken advantage of Johnny Manziel. There was no solutions. There was no addressing the, the bipolar diagnosis and how he's dealing with it and how he's living with it around his substance abuse. And then at the very end, he talks about back in the day being in a frat. The football team was a frat. And then they show him. And he's sitting at a table with all his new frat buddies pounding beers. If they were trying to achieve like a, a montage of this great, unbelievable college football star, by all means, let's do it. But that's not what Untold has been doing. 
I don't quite understand it. I put the blame at Netflix. I lay it at their feet. I feel like they took advantage of somebody that I don't know what they needed to maybe lift him up again. His dad and his, his sister talking about, you know, why isn't he doing anything? Well, he's not in a place where he can. That Ryan Leaf uh, interview you can find on our YouTube channel. Just search out uh, OutKick. We hope to subscribe while you're there and share it on social. Um, yeah, this is coming from a player in Ryan Leaf who also attempted suicide in 2012 and reached a very dark place with his addictions and disease, as he referred to in the entire interview. And I'm looking through it through a different lens from that angle. Hopefully there are people around Johnny Manziel that help him be more of Johnny Manziel than Johnny football, if that, in fact, is the, the mindset that he has. I just like the fact, Chad, the biggest thing I took away is he sat down. They didn't know he was going to say anything like that whenever Netflix showed up, and he brought this up on his own. I, I like the fact that he's now vocalizing some of the, the trials that he's gone through and I would suspect continues to go through. Yeah, and we had the director on, and I asked him, how is Johnny doing now? And he talked around it a bit and said, well, he, I think he's 31. He said, so, I mean, the story's not done. You know, it's kind of an incomplete. Yeah. You know, he thinks he's a little bit better, but, you know, clearly it, it's not like he's not drinking, you right. know, or partying yeah. based on what he was allowed on video during there when he was in Scottsdale. So he's talking to his dad, but his dad didn't seem overly thrilled about where he is in life. It's more of just, I get to hang out with my son again now. So, look, there's a lot of questions that come from the documentary it answered some questions but not a ton i just found it to be very fast-paced and entertaining it is telling entertaining. the phenom that was johnny football all the other stuff that you heard ryan leaf get into the serious part of this about his life his recovery everything else i think are all valid points and could make for further discussion and a bigger exploration of johnny manzel not johnny football but johnny manzel in the future um, this was much more surface level. I enjoyed it, but great stuff from Ryan Leaf giving us a very Still, different perspective based on his experience. We highly recommend going and watching this yeah. Untold Johnny Football on Netflix. The Untold series has been great, and we've got Swamp Kings coming up, among other things. So. The first one was Malice in the Palace, I think, right? It wasn't that yeah, part that of the sound, Untold that series. That does sound right. Yeah, that's still my favorite one that I've seen. There I, will be I love that one. Many other options for the Untold series as well, and Davy Hudson uh, has more on a topic we can discuss going into the weekend here. Yeah, guys. So as we know, the conversation around the Johnny Manziel football doc has been something we've been talking about since we knew. Hey, Ryan Duffy's coming on, and it got us having to ask the questions like, well, what's something that we have not seen that we would love to be made into a documentary. So for this next topic, we're going to go around the room and give our thought of, you can give your title, but what is a college sports doc that we're waiting to see? I so, love this. Yeah, that's, it's a great idea. I, I'll, I'll start. And I'm in the franchise-making business, right? That's what everyone in entertainment is trying to do right now. So it's not good enough just to have the one idea you got to have one idea that they could then spin off and be a series or be more than that. The Untold series is a great mm -hmm. concept, right? It's untold, colon, what's next, blank. right? Yeah, blank, yeah. and then you could fill in the blank on what you want to see. Uh, similar to a 30 for 30 series with, with ESPN. There's only been two 16 seeds to ever pull off the, the David versus Goliath upset and beat a number one seed. 
I think it's like two and ninety or something like that is the overall record of sixteen seeds in the NCAA tournament. I would like to see a docu series or uh, just one documentary that could be a two hour movie titled Sixteen, and all we do is look at Fairleigh Dickinson in twenty twenty three over Purdue, and then UMBC in twenty eighteen knocking off Virginia. One was a twenty point win. UMBC won by 20. They blew them out in that game. The other one was a closer game with Fairleigh Dickinson. But Ryan Odom is a great personality. Guys on those teams seem like great personalities. Tobin Anderson, the coach of FDU, was terrific during their run. Yes, yes. But going back and talking to the principal characters, the coaches, administration, get a student on camera you know, that was there, talk to the players, and go back and show footage of not just the game, but the entire season or the buildup of the star player who emerged in that game, where they're from in high school, how they got to that school, what it was like when they started, what led them to that moment, and do split shots of each team going back and forth and going to their campuses and showing it. I, I would love that. And if it does well for a franchise, my next season is titled 15, and I'm going to take a look at all 11 15 seeds to beat number two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Maybe I'd be the only one watching it. Maybe not. No, but I, I would be interested in seeing yeah, this. Yeah, and I, I think also – Because I love Cinderella stories. Oh, and you can set up the cameras now in advance because of how the transfer portal is helping a lot of this. And the COVID year also made teams more you know, veteran savvy uh, roster-wise too. But, I mean, you could almost wait for the next upset and not wish upon a star anymore. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also – I'm fascinated by, like, what happens when the broadcast ends – and the media clears out of the locker room, and they go back to campus. Oh, the, the follow-up to all of it would be great. I also think it's something that – the problem is if you wait, you're going to have to have four or five, like you said. Yeah. But it's something that would be even cooler like 10 years in the future. You to know, to back. look at, like, see guys where they are now in their early 30s and going back as a retrospective to, to what happened. I also would have just liked the idea of, you know, you saw UMBC knock off Virginia – that entire year leading up to them winning the national championship, you go from the first team to ever lose to that 16 seed and you flip the script. I think that angle would also be fun there. Guys, uh, my untold series, whether or not he wants to admit it or not, because he once told Clay Travis, this was six or seven years ago now, that this whole thing was inaccurate and not true. But Lane Kiffin's alias of Joey Freshwater, untold Joey Freshwater in Alabama, in T-Town. And knowing that, it, for those unfamiliar, and by now everyone's familiar, but it was more or less a fake Tinder account for Lane Kiffin on campus where he would go into bars and uh, watering holes and he would introduce himself as Joey Freshwater instead of, of <laughs> Lane Kiffin. At least that's the rumored aspect. Now, Kiffin denies all of this. Like, it never happened, right? Uh, but... There are so many, we know so happened. many with stories about Joey Freshwater in Tuscaloosa. Uh, take a camera crew down memory lane or in this, this uh, corridor or a hallway at Innisfree and, let, <laughs> and let's have an untold Joey Freshwater tour of what that was like from all of the stories or rumors that Kiffin was allegedly involved in here. Uh, I, I, I love the... It, it, the there were co-eds on campus, Alabama jerseys with freshwater on the back of them. Which is hilarious. I mean, let's, let's open this door and have the untold Joey Freshwater 
episode because that that to me is this would need to be like an legendary. HBO Max original, legendary, right? Yeah, they did the sorority, the Alabama sorority deal on HBO Max, the documentary. So this would be a nice follow up to like, that. That would involve Alabama sororities. I mean, this is it, this follows him everywhere. I mean, we went on the Outkick the Tailgate tour and we stopped in Tuscaloosa and we had name tags that said Joey Freshwater while we were, yep. you know, uh, throwing back There's Yellowhammers, searching for Bobby Fisher, and now they're searching for Joey Freshwater. Chad, how much? Uh, how eager would you be to watch this? I I, I would kill to watch. It. <laughs> This to me is just pure entertainment and joy over the, even if it's just rumor and innuendo. Oh, but there's so many people with a story. It'd be great. Lane Kiffin would hate it, but the rest of us would love it. I think Kiffin kind of loves it. Mm. I think he kind of loves it. Maybe. Davey? He at least yeah. has a good sense of humor about I, it. What you I, got? I would like to add that we hired Daniel Tosh to play Kiffin in the reenactment scenes. <laughs> oh, I, so. I love like an unsolved mysteries, yeah. cheesy reenactments in it. Like just a purposefully cheesy dramatic. I, I, would, use, I would use Kiffin as a as a uh, an extra just in disguise in the no. bar uh, when we're shooting this. Who was uh, Ron Mexico? Was that that was Cam Newton, right? Is it Cam Newton or Mike Vick? Mike Vick. It was Mike Vick. Mike Vick was had the alias of Ron You're right. Mexico. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Well, Speaking of T Town, though, it was T Town Menswear, right? For, well, yeah. Guys, for for my documentary, this is one that we're still kind of in the making of it. But, I mean, right now, the entire talk is around conference realignment. And my idea was for the, the Manifest Destiny, the collapse of the Power Five. And if you don't remember Manifest Destiny, the belief in the 19th century of, all right, we're going to take our settlers and we're going west. We're going to take over the entire continent. Go As we west, see, young man. Yes. We have seen these conferences just start taking over schools and geographic areas do not matter. I mean, really, whenever I'm, I'm watching this, you can see those maps of how they change it over time of which conference each team's in. It reminds me of the game of Risk. And so but I would just love to go behind the scenes and get these ideas of how this fell apart, like Larry Scott screwing up the Pac-12. I mean, and it starts from way back. You could probably even go to the 80s and 90s as we have this realignment take place and just where it's going as we ultimately get to this conference of – like you were talking about earlier, Chad, 32 teams modeling it after the NFL. It's eventually where it's going. And just chronicling the journey along the way is something I would, I would think would kill for a documentary. There would be extensive source material on this. I mean, th this is like a 20-part docuseries. If you want to go into the start of it, the building of the conferences, the building of the idea of the Power Five, and then eventually the crumbling of it. I mean, specific. I, I, lo I love the idea. Yeah. Specifically, I could watch – two hours just on the death of the Pac-12. But it, I think it's, uh, again, something that's better 10, 15 years from now. Yeah. No, well, we haven't had the Pac-12 for 10 years. Well, we go back and we remember fondly the Pac-12 that's no more. But what made, like, man in the arena with Tom Brady, he had the wherewithal to allow cameras to follow him around for a story that can be told for years, but he's got the behind-the-scenes video in the moment, right? And he's recapping things. Like, I... I want that aspect, too. If it's ESPN, if it's one of the big networks, whatever. I love the idea, Davey. But hopefully, like, from the historical nature, if it's going to be released, if, you were put, if we're putting embargo on this, it cannot be released for 15 years or whatever. I would love to see how all the talks went down behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. And who the power players truly were versus the pretenders. While Eli Drinkwitz is speaking publicly, who's speaking behind the scenes? Love it. Well done. Everyone have a great weekend. We're out of here. Enjoy the weekend. Back on Monday for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Join us at 3 o'clock Eastern right here across the Outkick Network.